In the words of one writer, Noah walked with God, but he shamed himself as a drunk. Then he died. Abraham, God's friend, jeopardized his wife's purity because of fear, and he died. David, the man after God's own heart, committed adultery, arranged a murder. He died. Samson, the great deliverer, was a fool for love. He died. Moses, who spoke face to face with God, also forfeited the promised land in a fit of anger. And he died. Death pronounced the the final word on these great people and on everyone else. And death will pronounce the final word on us too. Unless Christ comes back very soon, we will all die. You will die. And I wonder if you're afraid of that. Whether it's been the terrifying bushfires over summer or the growing panic and fear that's spreading with the coronavirus crisis, many people are scared Someone who's been travelling to Australia's capital cities recently in the last few weeks said Australia is gripped by fear. The panic and fear that's described for us and seen in the media, on social media, we see it in no toilet paper and less and less things now on shelves. We see the fear in people not leaving their homes, in people queuing up to be tested. Maybe you're afraid for your loved ones. Maybe you're afraid of you or them getting sick, not having enough to eat, maybe even of dying. Are you fearful of death? Today we see a good man die and be buried. And we will see that the only hope that we have for life is in listening to Jesus. Well, since April last year, we've been going through the book of Deuteronomy. Today, we come to the end. Next week, we hope to get back into John's gospel from chapter 18. We come to the end of this book. We come to the end of Moses' life. If you remember, Deuteronomy contains several speeches of Moses, his last words, his farewell sermons to the people of Israel before they cross the Jordan River and enter the promised land of Canaan. Forty years earlier, Moses was called by God to speak to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Well, Moses at first struggled to trust God in that. In in God's grace, he led one million plus people out of slavery in Egypt, through the Red Sea and to the promised land. But when the people didn't believe God could bring them in and overcome their taller and stronger enemies, they were forced to wander in the wilderness. For 40 years, they wandered in circles until all the adults died. And throughout that 40 years, Moses led them faithfully. He spoke with God on Mount Sinai. And then Moses spoke all of God's words to the people. He gave them God's law. And in our series, we've heard God's covenant promises, Israel's covenant responsibilities. 
We've seen God give the Ten Commandments and all the laws that flowed from them so that they would know how to love God and love their neighbour. The law wasn't given to save them, but it was to show God's saved people how to live. Ultimately, the law, any law, doesn't enable obedience. It rather exposes humanity's disobedience and the judgment that it, it deserves. This, though, paves the way for God to intervene. Israel's only hope was God coming to save them, to restore the relationship with him that had been broken by sin. Their only hope was God's grace, God's solution, God's saviour. Looking at Moses' life as a whole, he was a man of God, a man of genuine faith, faithfulness, godliness. He interceded for his people. He called them to trust and obey their Redeemer. But as we heard last week, he also sinned. He broke faith with God. Our first of three points this morning, if you're following in your outline, is Moses dies. Look at verse 1, please. Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah. If you're looking at this, Pisgah is probably the name of the mountain range. It's across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land. And the whole land that he looked at, some of the places that are mentioned are shown on that map on the right. Moses looks north first. He looks from Gilead in the red to Dan, toward Dan right at the top, and then in an anti-clockwise sweep. So he looks northwest and then west out to the Mediterranean Sea and then down to the south. Moses, uh, God shows him the whole, God shows Moses the whole promised land as he said he would do. He said he'd do this, chapter 32, verse 52. And God's showing in the land not to tease him, but rather to assure him that God will bring his people in there just as he said he would, just as he promised Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, verse 4. Do you remember why Moses couldn't enter the promised land? We heard last week in chapter 32, verse 51, God said, You broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites and you did not uphold my holiness. That referred back to events in, or an event in Numbers 20 when the Lord commanded Moses to speak to the rock and water would come out. But it seems in a, a fit of anger, frustrated at the grumbling people, Moses struck the rock twice. And we learned from this that even when we're emotional or stressed, you can't disregard God's word. You can't do what you want or whatever you feel is right. If God says something and we do otherwise, then you're not trusting in him and you're not honouring him as holy. As Neil said last week, we may think that God's being harsh on Moses. I mean, one slip-up after a lifetime of service? But we can think that way because we argue away the seriousness of sin, our sin. We can blame others for our sin, we can make excuses, or we can think that God owes us for all the good things we have done. But God does not owe us. 
Do you remember God said to Adam, if you eat the fruits of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. You see, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6 verse 23. Moses 1 recorded sin. Our many sins disqualify us from the promised land. Moses 1 sin. Our many sins disqualify us from life. It means that we deserve death. It makes us deserving of death. And Moses' own death shows this is true. Chapter 34, verse 5, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab as the Lord had said. Moses' death has been a significant theme in the book of Deuteronomy. Since chapter 1, verse 37, seven times we've been told that Moses will not enter the promised land. Despite his pleading with God in chapter 3, he died outside the promised land. And he was buried, we're told, likely by the Lord in an unmarked grave, in an unknown location. Not, so not even his bones could be taken in, placed in the promised land. And we read that the people weep and grieve for Moses. Death brings pain and separation, grief, tears. As we know, as you know, Moses died at 120. Yet verse 7 makes clear it wasn't actually from old age. Some might say he died before his time, but the text makes clear that he still had strength left. You see, that's the point. It was his time. The Lord determines the time of the death of Moses Timing of your death and mine. All the days ordained for us are written in his book before one of them comes to be. The wages of sin is death. The punishment for sin is death. Death is what we all deserve for our sins. Because you see, when you reject the God of life, all you're left with is death. All you get is death. Unless Christ comes first, we will all die. And when you get sick, when we lose loved ones, it forces us to face that reality and forces us to face our mortality. Moses missing out on the promised land also reminds us believers that we don't get everything now, this side of heaven either. We're not promised perfect health, hurt-free relationships, happy prosperity, long hassle-free lives. God doesn't promise that to us now. This life can mean going without and enduring pain and grief. And yet we believers can endure those things with hope. For we can even die physically in peace, at peace, knowing that God will keep his promises. Moses died, but God had promised to bring Israel into the promised land. And that task was left to Moses' successor. 
Our second point is someone lesser. We're told in verse 9 that Moses laid his hands on Joshua and he was filled with the spirit of wisdom. In other words, Moses was appointing, commissioning Joshua for his leadership role and he was also given the wisdom that Moses himself had for that role. Joshua also had God's spirit, Numbers 27. And so God was certainly with him and would equip him for his role. As the next book, Joshua teaches, the man Joshua will lead them into the promised land to inhabit the promised land. And the Israelites listened to him. But did you notice that in them listening to him, the Israelites did what the Lord had commanded Moses? Joshua was someone lesser than Moses in in the role that he had. Look at verse 10 to 12. Since then, no prophet has risen, had, has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Moses had served as a priest and a prophet. He'd served as a teacher, as a pastor, as a covenant mediator, a -a one-of-a-kind leader. He knew the Lord closely and personally, and God did mighty miracles through him. Joshua won't have that role, the renown, or the centrality that Moses had. The writer of the book of Joshua likely wrote the end of Deuteronomy, and those words, since then... No prophet has risen in Israel like Moses. But back in Deuteronomy 18, you may remember, Moses promised that a prophet like him would arise in the future. The Lord promised to raise up a prophet like Moses who would speak God's words. And no, it's not Muhammad, as some Muslims, I will tell you. People need to listen to this prophet's or they will be held accountable. And Israel had to wait a long time for this prophet to come. But we know Jesus is the prophet greater than Moses. That's our next point. Jesus is the someone greater than Moses. We heard that in Hebrews chapter 3 last week. Interestingly, that the name Joshua, Yeshua, uh, in Greek is Jesus. And both Joshua and Jesus mean the Lord saves. The Lord saves. And in the Lord Jesus, the Lord does come to save. John chapter 1 says Jesus was the eternal word of God, the word who became flesh. And we read there, the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only who is himself God, who is in closest relationship with the Father or at the Father's side, has made him known. So the Son of God, Jesus, he is the supreme prophet. He's more than a prophet. And he makes God known. He reveals God and God's will for our lives Jesus is the word of God in the flesh and he speaks God's words to us. Interestingly, 
Uh, Moses received God's law when he spoke with God on a mountain, Mount Sinai. Moses died after speaking with God on a mountain, Mount Horeb. And now if you remember our first reading from Matthew chapter 17, Jesus spoke with Peter, James, John on a mountain. And who's there with him? We're told it's Moses and Elijah, two great prophets that may even be representing the the whole Old Testament, the law and the prophets. But they're in the presence of someone greater. Everyone else there is in the presence of someone greater, God's own son, who's revealed in his transfigured, his changed appearance, his face shining like the sun. And the voice speaks from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Remember those words, Deuteronomy 18? Moses had said, listen to him. Now God the Father is saying, listen to him. In Acts 22, the Apostle Peter said that Jesus was a man accredited to you by miracles, wonders, signs. We would say even signs greater than those of Moses. He was put to death. He was nailed to a cross, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, for it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then Peter, again speaking in Acts chapter 3, in verse 22, he quotes Deuteronomy 18 saying, Jesus is the prophet that Moses spoke of. He says, you must listen to him, and if you don't listen to him, you will be cut off. It's just as God had said in Matthew 17, we need to listen to Jesus. He's the one who died and is risen. He's conquered death. He's defeated death. And if we want to experience life, eternal life, and not eternal death, then we need to listen to Jesus. And when we obey Peter's words in verse 19... We listen to Jesus when he says, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And we turn to God by turning to the Saviour, Jesus. We turn to God by turning to Jesus. I'm a Star Wars fan, as some of you may know. And in the original Star Wars, uh, Episode 4, A New Hope, if you're right at the start of the movie, when it seems that all is lost, Darth Vader and the dark side are about to squash the final resistance and Princess Leia gets this message out to the old Jedi, Obi-Wan. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. But we know... For us, when all seems lost, when it comes to facing our needs now, or when it comes to facing our death and the judgment that will follow that, our hope is in no fictional Jedi. Jesus Christ 
is our only hope. And he can rescue us from death and give us life. He can free us from death and bring us from death to life. Once Jesus arrived at a town called Bethany, people thought he'd arrived too late to save Lazarus because Lazarus had been dead for four days. Jesus arrived to find Lazarus's family and friends all weeping. And do you recall what Jesus said to Martha in John chapter 11? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? God's word today has called us to listen to Jesus. And here in those words, he speaks to you. And I ask you then, have you believed in Jesus for life? Have you trusted in him with your all? If you don't, If you don't do that, you will only get death. Not just physical death one day, but what the Bible calls the second death, never-ending hell. But by faith in Jesus, we get life to the full that starts even now and life forever with God in the future. When we believe in Jesus and rely on him by relying on his words, we get life. The wages of sin may be death. But do you remember the second half of Romans 6 verse 23? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a verse that's worth you remembering. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Believe it. Moses may not have entered the promised land, but he died in faith. His soul went to be with the Lord. And if we die in faith, we will be with the Lord. We will get to our heavenly promised land. Like Moses looking to the promised land, look Look to heaven that is to come with faith and hope. You can be sure that it's coming, Christian. In 1 Peter chapter 3, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1 from verse 3, we read this. In God's great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. It's kept in heaven for you. And in verse 8, though you've not seen Jesus Christ, you love him. Even though you do not see him now with your physical eyes, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? Because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. When we're believers, we can have assurance of heaven And so I ask you, brothers, sisters, do you have assurance of heaven? Are you sure that's where you're going? When you die, do you know where you're going? 
And if you do, shouldn't that give you peace and calmness now? Whatever comes. Billy Graham was a preacher and evangelist who was used by God to bring thousands of people to faith in Christ. He died two years ago at 99. As an 80-year-old, he was speaking at a luncheon and he told this story. I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, the great physicist who this month, December 99, has been honoured by Time magazine as the man of the century. Einstein was once travelling from Princeton on a train when the conductor came down the aisle punching tickets of every passenger. When he came to Einstein, Einstein reached into his vest pocket. He couldn't find his ticket, so he reached into his trouser pockets. It wasn't there. He looked in his briefcase and on the seat beside him, he couldn't find it. The conductor said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you've brought a ticket. Don't worry about it. Einstein nodded appreciatively. The conductor continued down the aisle, punching tickets. And as he was ready to move to the next car, he turned around and saw the great physicist down on his hands and knees, looking under the seat for his ticket. The conductor rushed back and said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I know who you are. No problem. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. Einstein looked at him and said, young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. Having said that, Billy Graham continued, see the suit I'm wearing? It's a brand new suit. My children and my grandchildren are telling me I've gotten a little slovenly in my old age. So I went out and brought a new suit for this occasion, this luncheon, and one more occasion. You know what that occasion is? This suit is the one in which I'll be buried. I don't know if that's the suit. (laughs) And he said, when you hear I'm dead, I don't want you to immediately remember the suit I'm wearing. I want you to remember this. I not only know who I am, I know where I'm going. I ask you, do you know where you're going? When sickness, when grief, when diagnoses and corona crises come, when you are faced with heaven and hell, we need to remember this. Akos Balor wrote on his blog online last week, I was looking through my Twitter feed the other day, seeing how the coronavirus was impacting life across the world from quarantines to toilet paper and other shortages, and I started to feel anxious. You might be feeling a little of the same. But I remembered this. I remembered who I belonged to, that Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God and my life is in his hands. And so remembering this inspired me to write this latest blog post. I've written an open letter to Christians encouraging us not to fear but to trust our Saviour and love our neighbour in this time of uncertainty. How bad will this crisis be? The truth is we don't know for sure. And so as a society we're increasingly anxious, anxious for our loved ones, anxious for ourselves. It's a time of fear. 
But whatever happens, dear Christian, know this. This is our time. God has raised us up for a time as this, for such a time as this. It's no accident that you're here. This is our time to think not about ourselves, but about our neighbours, many of whom are scared and will only grow more so as the virus spreads. This is our time to hold out the word of life to those around us and give hope to those who are afraid and are wondering what's going to happen. This is our time to trust our God no matter what the future brings. For unlike our secular neighbours, we know where our hope lies. We know where our security lies. We know where our future lies. It's with the one who conquered sickness, who touched the lepers and healed them. It's with the one who conquered death, who said to Lazarus, come out. It's with the one who's defeated death, not just for a time, but forever. It's with the one who will return to resurrect this world and the bodies of all who trust in him. So let's not be afraid. Let's not give way to panic. Instead, let's serve those around us who are filled with fear. I think they're encouraging words, aren't they? When hysteria rises, maybe even more so this week, when the world, it seems, goes into meltdown, it is then that we reveal where our trust lies. Maybe you'd like to finish this sentence in your outline. In this corona crisis, I will... dot, dot, dot. Maybe I will not be afraid or I will love my neighbour before myself or I will continue in faith and hope and love and disciple my children to do the same or I will share what I have and the hope I have in Jesus with others. Like Moses, we will all die. But if we listen to someone greater, to Jesus, we'll get life, eternal life. So trust in Jesus' words. And if you've done that, then you don't need to fear death. Please finish this last sentence for yourself. Today, when I, today and when I face my death, I will. Today and when I face my own death, I will know that I've listened to Jesus and life forever awaits. Let's pray.